Today's Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through to 52. And if you have the church Bible, that's on page 818. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. In their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ear, and understand that their heart and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil, word, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for the one that was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, 
No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Well, a new term, new series. Isn't it exciting? And it's good to be back in Matthew's Gospel this term. As I say, if you haven't been with us, then we've been working through Matthew in sections every now and then. If you want to catch up with those, hit up the podcast for three earlier series we did, The Christ, The Kingdom Heart, and Jesus and the People. They were called. Today we drop back in in chapter 13 for a series we're calling ears to hear and eyes to see, because that's the frame Jesus seems to put on things now as he, as he heads towards the cross. In the last few chapters we looked at, if you recall, um, uh, Jesus was just starting to shed a bit of light on uh, people's response to him, uh, and he continues in that vein uh, in chapter 13 here, speaking to them now in parables, 
Parables, they're called. Uh, parables are interesting. If you haven't heard parables before, then, then that first one that we've read there, Parable of the Sower, that, that's probably one of his best known uh, to give you a sense of what parables are like. A farmer goes out throwing seed uh, and some falls on the path and the birds get it. Uh, some falls on rocky ground and it sprouts, but then it withers away. Uh, some falls in the weeds and, and it too comes up, but it gets choked out and, and some falls on Good soil where it grows, right through to harvest it grows, bearing grain. Uh, Welcome to parables. This is what they're like. Verse 3 here tells us that Jesus spoke many things to them in parables. And Matthew here, as we've just read, has has, has picked out about eight for us here in chapter 13 uh, that we're going to try to look at today and see if we can get a fix on, on what Jesus is doing here. Uh, Across all of them, though, I mean, the first thing you have to say is that it's It's figurative, isn't it? Parables are figurative. Uh, Parables are truths, but they're packaged up in pictures, picture language that we've got to figure out. To get at the truths that Jesus is trying to convey in parables, we've first got to think about the pictures that he's using. And so we might actually start by, first of all, asking with the disciples in in verse 10 there, (laughs) why? Why put things in pictures figuratively like that instead of just, you know, stating the truth underneath. Look at this Q&A in in verse 10 here. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. There's a lot in that answer from Jesus, but we ought to pick out at least these few things today. First of all, he's speaking about the kingdom of heaven in these parables. That's what they're about. Indeed, if you cast your eye across the next ones uh, coming up, the next six uh, in, in chapter 13 here, you'll see that even more explicitly. They all start with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like dot, dot, dot. So, so these parables are not about earthly things, earthly lessons or earthly concepts like farms or work or profit or productivity. Those are just the pictures that we've got to try to unpack to get at the meaning of what Jesus is trying to say. Whatever his meaning is here, one thing we can be sure of is that it is something explicitly about the kingdom of heaven. All of them say that much. We have to note too that what he says in that answer is that the, the kingdom of heaven is mysterious. There's no getting around that. It's mysterious, but its secrets are revealed to some, to be more specific on that, it is given to some to know those secrets. And to others, it is not given to know those secrets. And third, he seems to, to be saying here that, that that distinction is only going to get clearer and clearer as time goes on. The one who receives some insight into the kingdom of heaven will be given even more and yet to the others, not so. So it's hard to know from all that whether he's speaking in parables to the crowds to to help convey the truths of the kingdom of heaven to those who don't understand or to confirm that, that some will never understand. So too, verse 13, it it doesn't make it any clearer which, which he's doing here. This is why I speak to them in parables, he says, 
because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Clearly there are two levels to what Jesus says and does. Otherwise, even what he says just there in verse 13 doesn't even make sense. Seeing they do not see, that makes no sense, does it? Hearing they do not hear, that's nonsense. Unless there is a deeper level to Jesus' words and to his message and ministry, therefore, than what some people are catching. And so right off the bat, we ought to be wondering at what level we have been trying to process Jesus. Are we wowed by his miracles, maybe, and, and, you know, wanting some of that in our life? Are we, you know, in love with all of his sayings because they're just so clever and so timely and so wise? Is it possible to be drawn to Jesus, like all these great crowds, it says in verse 2, excited by everything that he says and does, and yet somehow miss what he's actually saying and doing? Is that possible? Yes, says Jesus here. It is. It is possible to follow Jesus around without ever catching his meaning. He goes on with this in verse 14 there. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand, and he will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And there I would put it to you, is the thing that some of these people are missing. If we truly catch Jesus' meaning and, and his whole purpose of ministry, we would understand with our hearts, not just our eyes and our ears, the eyes and the ears of our hearts would catch his meaning and we would know where we stand before God in terms of this kingdom of heaven that he keeps proclaiming. We would understand and we would turn with what is it to turn? We would recognize our sin. We would repent of our sin. That's what repent means. We would turn and we would be healed. Bit of a side note, I suppose. We've seen all the way through Matthew so far uh, that Jesus makes grand claims, divine claims all the time. So much so that we hardly even notice it most of the time when he does it. Jesus just takes the things of God in Scripture and claims them of himself. And, and I think he's doing it here again. If we catch who he is and, and why he has come, then, then we would turn to Jesus and he would heal us of our sin and bring us into the kingdom of heaven. What God spoke through Isaiah is being fulfilled through Jesus. 
And so he continues to preach the same thing from when he began, actually. If you recall way back when we were back in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, at the very start of his public ministry, chapter 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying what? Do you remember? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's, that's what his whole ministry is about. The kingdom of heaven and the repentance it demands of you and I. He's still on that in chapter 13 here. But a lot of people in these great crowds just still don't get it. And some of them, it seems, never will if the prophecy of Isaiah is truly being fulfilled which, as I say, ought to make us take stock of our own life and faith. Do we get Jesus and what he was about? Have we understood who Jesus is and why he came? Where is our heart on this uh, whole question of repentance and, and heaven? Have we understood Jesus and, and, and have we turned to him to be healed? Are we just in the great crowds Or are we his disciples? His disciples, verse 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Jesus' disciples have caught hold of who Jesus is. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Uh, More big claims, aren't they? Jesus always puts himself at the centre of Scripture, at the centre of our need. And, And I can only think that he means there in verse 17 that these disciples in front of him are seeing the kingdom of heaven as it starts to unfold because he is its king. I think it's okay, though, if we only somewhat catch hold of Jesus to begin with, uh, as long as we follow is the thing. As he said in verse 12 there, if he has given us some knowledge of all this, then he will keep giving us more. So take heart if, you, if you've only got a, a bit of a sense of, of the deeper meaning of Jesus and, and these parables here too, by the way. The fact that you can see that there is something deeper is probably the key. If we're, if we're at least thinking, you know, kingdom of heaven with Jesus, then, then we're on the right track. If, if that's what we're thinking and we're wanting a piece of that, then we're on the right track. Indeed, as you see, Jesus' own disciples at that time, these ones even seeing him and hearing him in the flesh may not have got that first parable at first because he goes on to explain it to them in verse 18. And so he can explain it to us too. Uh, What are the secrets of the kingdom that he's trying to draw out for us by that picture of the sower? Well, he says in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, it's about the kingdom of heaven. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Some people hear of Jesus but just don't even catch the kingdom idea at all. They're not even thinking about heaven. They can only think in terms of this world and its empires of dirt. Their thoughts just never do turn to 
the matter of heaven. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, the word of the kingdom of heaven, that is, verse 11 and verse 19. He hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. But he endures for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Some hear the kingdom and think it sounds great. Of course it sounds great, but, but as it turns out, uh, it, it's not actually that popular nor even safe sometimes to to live in this world with your heart set on heaven. The social cost of that in this life outweighs the value of heaven for some. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Some hear of the kingdom of heaven, but their hearts are just wrapped up too tightly in in this life and its pleasures and pains. But as for what was sown on good soil, Jesus says, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another thirty. Some hear Jesus' word of of the kingdom of heaven and and they respond to such an unimaginable and and undeserved glory that they look at themselves, they look at their heart and they know what's going on. They know that they need to repent to receive of that. And so they what? They turn to Jesus, verse 15, and they follow him. The rest of their life, they slowly learn to put aside all of the the worries and the cares and and whatever troubles and rejection and and they just turn and and they just live for Jesus because they understand his heavenly prize. Again then, we might ask, where am I at with my understanding of, of the kingdom of heaven? Have I understood the sheer value of what Jesus is calling me into? Have I set aside everything, put it aside and counted his call as the best call, his reward as being of more value, or am I still actually living for things of this life? These are good questions, and I think Jesus wants us to ask, ask those things of ourselves. Back in the narrative, it's hard for you and I to figure out these people in these great crowds in chapter 13, but Jesus seems to know where people are at, doesn't he? Some are being drawn into this gospel of the kingdom and and others are not, at least yet. And yet some never will be, if we're reading him right here. So too it's hard to figure out the crowds in our day, but we should probably expect much the same. Uh, Some people will have been given an understanding of of how incomparable that kingdom is and and they'll be pursuing it with God. And others are, are in the crowd for something else. Verse 24, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. 
So his servant said to him, then do you want us to go and, and gather them? But he said, no. No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, Jesus is speaking of heaven here, and we shouldn't be too distressed if we don't get this right away. If we catch that it's about the kingdom, and if that makes us lean in and want to know more, then we're in a good place, I think. And so, too, we see again that he explains this one, too, to his disciples at the time, if you drop down to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. What secret of the kingdom is Jesus trying to convey to us here? Well, he's not talking about weeds or wheat plants. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven and, and people and, and two things to that end. And, and, and Jesus is pretty blunt here. He has got his people in this world, in the here and now. And could I suggest if we would turn to him in repentance and, and follow him, then, then we would know that we are of those people. We are his if we're doing that. And we'd know too that we're, we're going to endure difficult things and, and difficult people in this life, but in the end, we will shine like the sun in heaven. Oh, he who has ears, let him hear that. On the other hand, there are many in the world who, who don't belong to Jesus coexisting side by side with us and they enjoy God's common grace just the same as we do in this life. But if they don't belong to Jesus, they belong to his enemy and in the end they'll be cast into the fire. He who has ears, uh, let him hear that truth. So, Put those two big ones together and what have we got? The, the good news of heaven is being told all over the world, parable one, but, but only some will respond to it. And yet, parable two, th those who don't belong to Jesus will still thrive and enjoy life in, in this life just the same as those who do belong to Jesus. He put another parable before them back in verse 31 in the middle of all that saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And this one catches the connection between the, the, the sowing and receiving of the word here and now and the final harvest yet to come at the end of the age. 
the kingdom of heaven is a glorious thing that will come at the end of the ages and yet it has started even now. The tree is already growing because the seed has already been sown. That must have come as a bit of a shock uh, to people who expected a, a sudden and dramatic change at the coming of their Christ. But it's Jesus' second coming that will bring in the sudden sweeping kind of change. And yet it won't be so sweeping for those who know. Because what Jesus planted with his first coming, this, this simple gospel seed, this, this word of the kingdom of heaven, it has already been sown and it is growing right now. Where? In the hearts of his people. In the hearts of all those who turn to him to be healed. What must have seemed so insignificant in, in Jesus' simple and, and rapid defeat when he came to trial that one day to die on that cross? Well, that was actually the seed from which the whole kingdom of heaven now grows. Because through that seemingly hopeless event, people can now be forgiven of their sins when they do turn to Jesus. They can be healed, good and proper, because he paid for their sin on the cross so that they can be received into this kingdom of heaven. It's happening right now. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Same connection, I think, as the mustard seed and the tree. What, what might seem insignificant in Jesus' first coming is actually what will achieve all God's plans in the end. We ought to catch the last few parables too. The treasure, for one thing, in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Yeah, it's a journey we've learnt. It's a journey of patience growing into this kingdom little by little every day. Uh, and we've learnt that that's going to happen in a world where others are just living it up to the max without turning to Jesus. But it's worth it. It is worth it. What this will bring is of far more worth than anything of this life. It's, it's of more worth than everything of this life. If we haven't caught the incomparable worth of, of Jesus' kingdom that he came to give us, then, then the word of that kingdom hasn't yet found its mark in our hearts. Again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Yeah, it's more precious than anything, everything else. And we can say that, of course, about the kingdom of heaven still to come. That, that's an easy sell, I think. The glory, when we are lifted out of this world and, and taken right into the presence of, of God, uh, where sin no longer remains, where we will finally be made pure like Jesus Christ. Yes, 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 we can see the worth in that. But so too we can say that about the kingdom of heaven that is already in us planted in us right now and growing right now. This is more precious than everything around us of this life. It is worth everything to up and follow Jesus.
But as much as Jesus is opening our eyes in some of these parables and our ears uh, to what's already unfolding in, in our midst and, and inside us, even now, so too he does want us to be clear that there is a, there is a definite kingdom yet to come. He wants us to know that because our decision to follow him now is the thing that clarifies where we will be when that final kingdom does come. If we'd want to belong to Jesus in glory forever, then, then we'd want to belong to Jesus here and now. And so our response here and now to this word, this gospel of the kingdom, is, is vital for us to process because the final harvest will soon enough come and we need to be on the right side of Jesus before it does. I mean, the parable of the weeds gave us that, didn't it? So too this parable of the net in verse 47. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He who has ears, let him hear. But Jesus came to reveal to his people the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And I think he could take all these pictures here in chapter 13 and and set out what Jesus is saying to us here, something like this, if we were to get it in short form. There is a kingdom of heaven to come. Of that, have no doubt. But it has already begun here and now. It's already growing in the hearts of his people. So turn to Jesus now and be healed and belong to him. And if you have done that, then then know that you are his. You are now of this kingdom forever. Nothing could be more precious than, than heaven in the end. I'm sure we could all agree. Nothing could be more vital, therefore, nor more precious either here and now. Because those two sides to this kingdom are connected, you see. The seed has been planted and is growing right now. There's not some other tree that's going to suddenly spring up. If we don't turn from our sin and come under Jesus in the here and now, how will we live under Jesus in the kingdom to come? What was the point all this hinged on back in verse 15? Whether we understand what Jesus has come to reveal and whether in understanding that we turn to him to be healed. So verse 51, he says, to his disciples, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. What about you and I, though? With the last parable here, Jesus puts all this back to us. You know, what are we doing in, in response to this word? Verse 52, he said to them, 
Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Great crowds are following Jesus, both then and so too even now. And, and no doubt they're looking for various things, if you think about it across those crowds, a, a blessing or a miracle or, or some kind of sunshine in this life, we would presume at the very least, or maybe a, a get-out-of-jail card to stick in the back pocket for the end, perhaps. But what Jesus wants is for us to be trained for the kingdom of heaven, verse 52. And by trained, I don't think he's singling out here those who who go to Bible college or whatnot. No. No, I think he's talking about all of us. In the original language uh, here, he says those who are being discipled for the kingdom of heaven. Those who are being discipled for the kingdom. To be discipled under Jesus, to catch that that word of heaven that he speaks and and to seek more and more understanding from him now, that is what we need. That is what we need above all else in this world. And not not just ready for the end, do you see? We need it here and now as well. I hope you enjoy the series tracking through Jesus' challenge here. Do we truly see and hear and, and understand what he's all about? Are we just in the crowds or are we disciples of Jesus? There's a lot to uncover, I hope, as Matthew's gospel unfolds, but for now, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, as always, for your word. And this word of the kingdom that we see here and the clarity that Jesus spoke this with, that actually the kingdom of heaven is stamped all over his words in scripture and and we thank you for that. We thank you too that he told us what we must do to come into this kingdom, that we must just turn, turn in repentance and be healed. And thank you too that we we can then know that we belong to you in Jesus, and that we always will. That, in fact, we will shine like the sun in your kingdom forever. And all we can do is say praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ who does this for us. Amen.